You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex and Herds here for your Murder Mystery World Tour. And Herds, can you believe mm-hmm. that it's that time already? I I can because we do this every three weeks, Flex. But maybe you can't, which is why. Well, we are we are up to <laughs> third week of Black Zone Fell by Martin Edwards. I, I should be clear. I, I do expect that the third week <laughs> comes around every three weeks, but I, I do so. mean that this is our last episode of the year before review season. I know, I know. It's it's horrifying, really. It is. What is this, our like fourth year? Not our fourth whole year, but our fourth end of year wrap up. It's pretty insane. We spent a lot of, a lot of time on this, and I kind of love that. Anyhow, love let's get stuck into Blackstone Fell because gosh isn't it the best what, oh my goodness <laughs> what a what an ending yeah what an ending i've been hyping you up for the past 2 weeks out of out of the 3 weeks that i have to talk to you about this book about the ending because and like i could just ramble about this for the entire show but the fact that it, it's not just that the actual suspect breakdown accusation scene is one of the more ridiculous <laughs> ones that I've managed on. to be a part the of. The first suspect and breakdown scene. Well, that's that's what I'm getting exactly because the first breakdown scene is the seance where they bring in a Tilly Curl and they're like, do this thing where you like trick the murderers into giving themselves up, basically, yeah. which is like, it's like a trope, but. She's got Curl using the voice of Nell Fagan because, again, this story is all about Cornelia's yeah. ghost being thrown from one end of the book to the other and her will being carried out and all that great stuff. Rachel executes this scene which, with such precision to the point where she basically kills both of the people she's investigating. <laughs> like, she get, she she doesn't allow the officer Oaks to to save mm-hmm. Daphne from her death. And then when Caritas hangs himself in his cell with his shoelaces, she says, oh, well, I wouldn't worry about that because Daphne's probably got some records somewhere in case she ever needed to blackmail Caritas. So like- you can you can sort all that out yeah. with with the hard evidence that she's collected for you, Mister Officer. I mean, sir. It, it's so it's good great. too because like the presentation of it is just it's ridiculous. Chilling. Like I love it. Attili Curl, you know, as the characters kind of say in the scene, is so good at summoning the voice of a person that she's never heard that they kind of can't believe it. We're not supposed to believe in the supernatural. Yeah. It's been outlawed by Knox, but that doesn't mean you can't have a little bit of magic thrown in. A little bit of razzle dazzle, and dare I say, something with incredible spiritual weight. You know, yeah. we, we're not really seeing the real Nell Fagan come back, but um, the words that Rachel is putting in O'Tilly Curl's mouth give that impression, and it feels significant. The the other thing that I thought is that the whole thing of Nell's setup in this novel is that she is irrational in the way that she <laughs> approaches this. And it's this kind of celebration of the fact that irrationality still got us there in the end. I mean, there's definitely a theme here about directed chaos and like directed lies and manipulations because roughly half the people that Rachel uh, is working with are murderers and liars and schemers, (laughs) probably including herself. Probably. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I'm just saying though, if, if Rachel was posed the trolley problem, I reckon that she would double track drift. Oh, she'd have to, you have to take (laughs) your drift down those lanes and hit all the, all the murderers. Like that's what she would do. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, to, to your point, like 
this is not the only suspect breakdown scene. We see, I'm going to keep harping on this, but like Nell's character journey, even with her being dead, we see her embodied in the actions of Peggy. Yes. Who of course is our final killer of the novel who avenges her and carries out, you know, all the tasks that Nell was set to do. She's a stand in for Nell. She's the ghost of Nell. You might even say the walking corpse of Nell. Yes. Um, and then at the very end of the novel, she just wanders off. Yeah, we've been building up this bog. entire thing that like someone could accidentally wander off the path into the swamp. And, and then she die. does it on purpose. She does it on purpose. So good. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's so good. I cannot explain to you how much I love the character arcs that we go through and, and how ordered the chaos is. I know. Like, all the characters feel, like, believable and real <laughs> and the mystery, like, doesn't go completely off the rails. Like, it's this the structure of this story, uh, Martin Edwards, it's perfect. <laughs> it's immaculate. It is absolutely immaculate. I also love that as Peggy walks into the swamp, you're kind of left with this feeling that, like, on the one hand, it is this very somber, poignant closing of the book, both proverbially and literally, but also, like, Rachel's just kind of letting it happen. Yep. Well, that's it's the thing, like right? The, she- the perfect closing point for both Nell's story and Rachel's. Yeah. Where, where Rachel's just, like, completely along for the ride, but in control. Well, she has to let people, like, be people. Yeah. She says- Something if to effect, because now she's talking about facts and logic, and isn't that what your detectives are about? And she says, no, 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 we're about human nature. That's what we're most interested in. And she's realized that maybe somewhere deep in her heart that what she did to Nell drove her to die. Like, there is maybe something in there. She has to let people make their own decisions. She has to let Nell go back to Blackstone, knowing that she will she might die. She has to let... Peggy wander off and into the swamp to probably die because she has cancer. It's a whole thing. It's like not an entirely unforeseen plot point. She's not just doing it to like get away from the murder she's committed. She's also doing because she's she's been flagged as as doomed to die. I mean, the the other interesting death, of course, that we get in this section is Judith and Quintus. I I'm so sad. It's (laughs) like on the one hand, fictionally excellent because it's a kind of gut punch because you've been feeling that like judith is kind of gonna get one back at quintus in the end but this like painfully harrowing thing that the only punch that she could give was like mutually assured destruction at least the dog survived (laughs) i guess oh yeah thank goodness no i i mean look i i agree with you not to brush the double homicide or or homicide suicide whatever aside like it's horrible and I hate it. And like the fact that the, the, the marriage and the situation there, like it, it turned into something that could only explode is horrible. But like, yeah, it's, it, it ties into that idea of there being just fates that you can't escape, which is something that's echoed in Peggy and, and Nell's stories. Of course. I, su- I suppose so. But I also thought that it was like interesting as a tonal prelude to the, three deaths that we got after the crimes were revealed where Mm -hmm. like Martin Edwards was kind of setting up that this is going to be gruesome. There's not really a nice way out of the horrible things that the people have done. It's going to be messy. Like in some senses, it is unsatisfying that nobody really gets away well from this novel. Mm. But on the flip side of that, I think that it works very well to set your expectations. Hold on now. Except for Major Huckabee, who apparently 
it is it is like implied that he's finally learning to move on from his wife's death now that he knows that he didn't kill her and that maybe he's going to get with that busty barmaid down at the <laughs> down at the tavern and <laughs> look i just have to point out something good came of this and jacob got his story Packed with lies, but he got his story. That was weird. That was quite weird. I guess it would have been weird no matter what they did. Look, two characters got what they wanted. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) I guess Rachel got what she wanted. Well, Rachel, Rachel wants what's worse for everyone around her, (laughs) which is to find to find another mystery. Can I can I talk about one last thing before we run out of time in this segment, though, Herds? Always. I love one more thing. Uh, Jacob, hopeless. Is this about the the pants? This is about the pants. (laughs) This is about the pants? Okay. We have this entire scene where they're solving the, like, historical locked room of the 1600s. Jacob being a Mm -hmm. sprightly young man with an infatuation. (laughs) As he is dangling Rachel by the ankles. Well, he's about to dangle her, let's be clear. Yes, yes. (laughs) He's in the process of preparing to. He just can't stop observing (laughs) the fact that he gets to hold his dainty maiden's ankles and And he realizes why she wore pants today it's just because (laughs) because she was afraid of an upskirt it's just it's horrendous jacob is a horrendous character but can i tell you my favorite line (laughs) and this is a very obvious favorite line in that scene is jacob asks like oh aren't you worried that i'll drop you and rachel says (laughs) no because if you do truman will send you right in after me yeah that's great (laughs) what a what a response what a threat he'd do it too he would he'd do it he would Anyway, we should wrap this here and come back to talk about the mystery at the back of the show. We are discussing Martin Edwards' Blackstone Fell all the way to the end of the novel. This is Death of the Reader, your murder mystery world tour. You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex and Herds here for your murder mystery world tour. It is time once again to turn over to our conversation with Martin Edwards about Blackstone Fell. This is the spoilery part of our discussion, at least a slice of it. The full discussion will be up on the podcast in just a few days' time after this episode airs. We're going to jump back in to that conversation with Martin Edwards talking about the clue finder at the end of the book. One thing I really liked in Blackstone Felt was the way the language in this clue finder obfuscated the complex game of identities that you played. I suppose to lead into the next line of questioning, do you anticipate some readers getting a bit too eager and jumping ahead to it? Is that why it's all so vaguely written in this one? That's exactly right. You have deduced the uh, the explanation to that little mystery. Yes, because, and of course, it is it is always possible. He said, being generous, that 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 you you can accidentally open a book uh, very close to the end, and uh, so so I think if if that were to happen. <laughs> A shame it would be a shame if inadvertently you'd find out things you really don't want to know and that that is something that you find in in daily king's clue finders and it's something that i've 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 taken from from his example well i found it very very fun actually that the clue finders singled out peggy as the murderer uh when we've got four maybe five maybe six and a whole killers um was that just an artifact of the clue finder masking the book's secrets or why do you think that Peggy deserves the definite article before murderer? Well, that is a really interesting question. And I, I, I shall tell you the honest truth, which is that was the driver for the plot all the way in my mind. My starting point was this, this mystery, the Peggy strand of the story, if you like. So Peggy doesn't 
feature in the story extensively, but in my mind, she was the key person. And it was thinking about that idea, the idea of the relationship with with the writer, the the child, and so on, that real and and the swindle in the past that that really was the fulcrum uh, of of the entire plot. And of course, the book uh, ends with with Peggy's fate at, at the end of the story, and I I wanted that to be the the finale to it, because everything really has been leading up. To, to that moment when she she wanders out into the into the marsh and uh, of course a lot has gone on before you get to that point uh, and and I've I've taken the the reader down a whole host of uh, of byways uh, but but that was really the the crux of the story as mm. far as I was concerned what's well, the the emotional ending right like you, you say that Peggy is not very present in the story and that's true and you know the character of Peggy but in my mind she's very much an extension of the character of Nell Fagan that emotional you know note that we that we finish on really is why I love the ending to this book because it manages to both have its cake at the séance and eat it too when it comes to Peggy's emotional ending yeah i think it's fantastic <laughs> Well, thanks. Well, well, I'm, I'm I'm thrilled you say that because that's exactly the response I was hoping for. The biggest pieces of the novel are subplots, and we end the novel with four, arguably five, arguably six murderers, which is something that, on the one hand, part of me is like, ah, yes, Martin Edwards trying to up the difficulty of the genre, uh, as as though that was the thing we needed to do. But on the other hand is also this like brilliant thing where it makes the story feel so natural that all of these people who have struggled for similar reasons in their lives have all ended up in this like circumstance that has attracted them all. Was there a level of you trying to just keep upping the the mystery side of the novel or did it all come out of that kind of character focus that we've just been talking about with Peggy? It, it was largely out of the... The, the character focus because because the, in in terms of trying to drill down into how I how I set about writing, I began with that idea, then I wanted the subplot and then the idea of the sanatorium and everything associated with it uh, came to me by by degrees, and then I saw what would happen to Nell. That Nell had to be a victim. That that. It was apparent to me that she couldn't survive because I, I I did enjoy writing Nell very much, and I, there was a big part of me that, that didn't want her to to go uh, before the book was was over. Having approached the book in that way, it it meant that I, I suddenly had on my or not suddenly, but but eventually had on my hands a pretty complicated plot, and whilst. I don't try to up the level of difficulty or complexity just for the sake of it. Given that I'm trying to explore uh, this this uh, tension between the melodrama and the unlikelihood and plausibility of the golden age stories with the way that people are and the way that people were in the 1930s and the way that life was in the 1930s. Trying to encompass that in a story that keeps me interested and engaged from page one 
to the last bait. And that that sense of personal engagement is very, very important to me as a writer. It does mean that there has to be a lot going on, much more so than is the case of my contemporary mysteries. But that's part of the appeal of going back in time and and delving into the Golden Age style, the Golden Age period. I like to think that the uh, all the little coincidences that pop up in your novels are just Rachel uh, manipulating events. I think, <laughs> honestly, she'd make a great villain with the amount of conspiring and the army of servants she happens to wield. I'm just saying. I mean, that's how Rachel has to go, right? Rachel has to be the villain <laughs> of her last novel. Let's become a crime lord. Go for it. Well, she she is a she has a dark side, extremely ruthless, and and again that that side of her is evidence in in the new book Sepulchre Street, um, and that again is part of the appeal of writing Rachel. She's not a she's certainly not a goody two shoes. She's a, she's a dangerous person to know. And she's a very very dangerous person to get on the wrong side of. And, and, of course, characters like that are great fun to write. I'm excited to see how, how dark her character can get, I suppose, as we go forward. <laughs> now, on a lighter topic, um, I tend to think... Potentially. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Um, I, I tend to think of word games in murder mysteries as kind of puzzles that only a fraction of a novel's reader base will truly engage with, you know, like a bonus puzzle almost. Um, yeah. But you've managed to, to tie word games into so many aspects of the story, big and small, um, Nemesis and, and Nathan Hart and the Baconian cipher. How in the game of high stakes murder do you find the time to percolate these more obfuscated, less mechanical puzzles? Well, I, I, I do agree with you that, that your, your basic point, I think, is absolutely right, that the, the vast majority of readers will only engage with, with these technical puzzles to a limited extent. So, so instead, what I try to do is, uh, and, and also because, of course, there's a limit to my ability to come up with very, very intricate word, word puzzles. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've not necessarily got, got that uh, mind to the extent that, say, John Dixon Carl had. But uh, I, I have small examples which I, I will plant in where it goes with the grain of the story. Or if it goes against the grain of the story, it goes against the grain of the story for, for a good reason. And what happens in practice is that sometimes you come up with an idea and you test it and you think, well, well, actually that that wouldn't work for whatever reason, either it's too banal or it's too complicated. And, and then I think you just have to discard it. And so the, the puzzles that, that make the cut and get into the story are those that seem to me to, to fit in some way and to add to the reader's experience. Well, Martin, I have had such a wonderful time with Blackstone Fell, and it was such a delight to like really get into the weeds this time. You know, Mortmain Hall last time, I got to pick your brain a little bit, but I'm so, so happy that we got to get all the way into it this time. So thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, it's been great fun, and, and yeah, your analysis uh, is fascinating to me as a writer, and, and I'm, I'm really grateful for the time and trouble you've taken, and, and obviously for your reaction to the book, which is what it's all about from the writer's point of view. Awesome. Well, we will have links to Blackstone Fell, Life of Crime, and Martin's extended work up on the podcast if you want to check any of it out, which you absolutely should. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is Death of the Reader. We are talking Blackstone Fell here on your Murder Mystery World Tour, and we'll be back with more in just a second.
you're listening to Death of the Reader, Flex and Herds here for the final mystery breakdown of the year. Oh my goodness. Herds. How did I do? How are you going to break this down? How did I do? Here's the thing. The singular thing. Okay, there may be a couple of things I want to discuss with you, but when you sat down last week and you said, I've got it all figured out, <laughs> I, I believed, I, you know, I was incredulous, actually. I was, at first, I was incredulous. I thought, wow, there's no way he has everything figured out 100%. But you got to the point where you said, I've figured out the four murderers. And I went, ugh, ugh. I was a frog stuck in my throat yeah, at yeah. that moment. I figured- you figured it out. You I feel like there were a lot of frog stuck in your are. mouth moments for weird things that I said over the course of this book in hindsight. Shout out to hypnotism. Shout out we'll to we'll hypnotism. get to that. Because the four criminals that I was most interested in you catching were Harold Lejeune, who is, of course, uh, Weaver. I was also interested in you catching Caritas because he's the obvious psychopathic murderer. Yep, yep. And Peggy because she's the secret boss. But the fourth murderer you was not in fact a hole in the ground yes you said the fourth murder is a hole in the ground and you're not wrong the hole in the ground does eat people up forever yes and their bones do dwell at the bottom of its gullet but the fourth murderer that i thought that you were going to pin down was daphne sam sambrook yes. i believe is her last name story goes that Caritas saw in her a woman of great strength mm. and power that her brother could never have seen because he's a eugenics Nazi kind of guy. Anyway, let's ignore him for now. And she's been cooking the books, screwing away funds so that she and uh, so Daphne and, and Caritas could use those funds because of all these gambling problems that everybody has in this town. She's she's the real mastermind of the sanatorium. In hindsight, I feel very amateurish for having missed it because mm. in a crime where I myself accused people of being in with debts, <laughs> the yeah. person doing the books where the criminal worked was the mm -hmm. obvious accomplice. It was. <laughs> but I got so caught up in the whole idea that Harold Lejeune thing. had to tie to the main crimes somehow mm. that I shoehorned him in as the money guy of the operation without really well, this is the thing. considering it. All of these these awful people are connected to a club, uh, a gambling casino club whatever called the the hermes yes when truman goes to talk to the sanatorium people the first conversation with dad and brother <laughs> procures no fruit but when he goes to talk to daphne she keeps asking him but where did you hear about this what place did yeah, you hear about this for the hermes. she's looking for the hermes and so when he says and they even, this is the best part. I love, mwah. when he's thinking about this, it, it, we have this little narration bit where he's like, this line is the most important line. Rachel has impressed upon me that what I say here is the most important thing. And I have to say this line that I met him in a, in a, in a bar or a tavern or whatever. And Daphne says, oh, that's okay. Moving on. And he says, well, I don't know what I did wrong. I did everything that Rachel told me to do, but it was that line. If he had said, I met a man at the Hermes and he told me to come see you, yeah. it would have been great. It was challenging because I'm pretty sure the word Hermes only appears once up to once. chapter 23, yeah, which is a little cruel, I, I will confess. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but like at the same time, it really does nicely structurally lead into that. I think, I think the big trap for me is that because they mention every time that Thomas Baker walked out of the club in London yeah. with like women on his shoulder, my brain had like- 
categorized it as a brothel and uh, kind of moved on. See, my, my brain definitely do that. I thought of like a big suit with like a top hat and he's like, oh, look at me. I'm flaunting all the money I have. But that's that's just how it be. And and that said, to get to my point, I, I am going to be giving you three points uh-huh. for this novel. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think that you did an excellent job at solving the locked room mystery with Abab, which is ridiculous, <laughs> and and catching Weaver. And, I mean, look, Caradus isn't really worth a point. He's like the gimme murderer. So there you go. You get two <laughs> points for that. Third point for giving two solutions. But I will withhold the fourth for not completely solving the senatorial yeah. mystery. No, I, I, think, I, I think that's fair. Like, if I was to be really picky about my own solution, I think that trying to shoehorn in uh, Harold Lejeune, like, on top of Caradus whilst ignoring his connection to Judith was like a pretty big miss as well because to be fair I didn't really push you on that oh, I, yeah, def- no, I no. should have <laughs> so that was obviously the tie up point for for how Judith had found out about Nell and I think if you'd asked me about it I would have been able to answer that very easily but it wasn't something that I had necessarily considered naturally on my own until I got to the end of the book on the one hand I feel like with all of the weird word games and ciphers and stuff going on in this novel like this is the book that I've been training for the past four years (laughs) but at the same time I really appreciate how well this book in the same way that the clue finder does upends my main method of like picking a solution and then rereading because sure. I think one of the reasons so that I didn't solutions. end up getting <laughs> like Daphne was because really Harold made sense as the fixer if I posed him as a theory and read through the book because there were so many different killers, each with their own signposts. I think it was also interesting that there there was some that I thought were fairly obvious that I don't know if you didn't notice them or just neglected to mention them, like how um, the the Blackstone Tower is like overgrown when Harold Lejeune is supposedly a famous collector of plants. Yeah. It's not just the plants. Like they keep talking about how much, he, they don't see him anymore and like his towers falling apart and like why doesn't he care about his family and it's because he's not of the family it's the same thing as with da- the Daphne scene where she's like yeah, trying there's, there's to there's even like a line homies. where Harold says that he met his brother like twice in his yep, entire yep. life he's like we didn't have much in common we didn't really talk much I, I don't even remember his middle name, honestly. Like, it's crazy yeah. how little we spoke. <laughs> like, it's comical on a reread. And that really lends itself to the to the atmosphere, I think, and to the oh, enjoyment of the reread. Absolutely. Well, Herds. Yeah. I think, I think I've, I've said what I have to say until review season. Uh, about Blackstone Fell. I'm look. I'm excited for review season. It is. Th- this book is one. like a prime candidate for the podium places. I I know it is. I was not expecting it to rank so highly uh, when I first started, but the further I got in and the more I went over it, I'm like, God, this is exquisite. I told you, it's it's intricate. It's an intricate bag of of candy. <laughs> Delicious candy. What is a that we've thrown into the bog? Okay, let's not let's not throw anything in the bog. I totally agree. It is one hundred percent a candidate for the podium places for review season. And goodness, I just, I just, I just need to read the rest of these books. Honestly, I need to read the rest of these Ra- Rachel's seven ache or seven aki. Yeah novels i i really enjoyed mortmain hall i didn't get the time to like do the full reread of it because it was for an interview and those things tend to be a bit quicker but yeah you're right i, I want to go back and reread the whole thing and there's a fourth book coming out that started next year i want to dig into this whole island business because again like i haven't read the the first two books 
And there's this like, oh, this crazy stuff happened on the island to Rachel and the gang. And you don't even want to know about it. And I'm like, but, but I, I do, do want to know about it. Tell me Anyhow, more. Uh, it's crazy. I suppose review season is uh, up next. We'll be off for six weeks this time. Woo! But there are, of course, reviews coming through. We've got a couple of other bonus features that we'll be squeezing into review season this time mm-hmm. uh, since we are taking a slightly longer break than usual. Uh, just it's gonna be good because because we're busy individuals with jobs outside the show now. It's true. But start of next year, Benjamin Stevenson's "Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone." Yo, and I think you will love this book, Herds. It is Alrighty. like, is it crazy? The, is the, it like the perfect reversal of what Martin Edwards has done here? Reversal? What does that mean? Well, oh, instead no. of being grim uh, and well executed, it's stupid and well executed and i love it oh, okay. and the decalogue saying- is on the first page of the book okay. so oh is it okay that's a, that's an interesting <laughs> sign isn't it all right well i guess i'll be bringing out the old the old tomes all nine items from the decalogue nine you know what that sounds right I'm pretty sure <laughs> the original latin framing of a uh, phrase of deca it means uh, yeah, it's nine sided it's just like how october is the eighth is. month of the year you know exactly same sort of thing <laughs> how august doesn't exist that's right <laughs> all righty well we will Shout see you next week for review season and uh, i hope you enjoy your summer and or winter reading depending on Yay. what part of the world you join us from read so many books yeah i mean hit us up at flex and herds facebook instagram twitter with your recommendations for next year of the show because we're still putting the next season's run list together yeah let us know what you want us to to do and uh, what what cool books what cool books we should read. That's always a fun time. Tell me about the cool books. cool books. What's your favorite book you've read this year? That's what I need to know. Yeah, all the best for the holiday season, and we will see you next week.